So there's the Drunken Fist Monk, the Order of Redemption Paladin, and the Monster Slayer Ranger. Well, you got all those names wrong. Except Ranger. It's good enough. Close <laughs> enough. Drunken Fist is the movie. <laughs> Whatever. Dangerous Cobbler in New York City. I'm your host Shane. And I'm your host Ishan. And welcome to episode 90 of Total Party Thrill, a podcast for game masters and players where we discuss our campaigns in order to inspire yours. In this episode, we're talking about how to permanently kick a player out of the group. But first, the rogue traders realize exactly how far up the creek they actually are in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign. And later, the Grey Guard walks a fine line in the character creation forge. So just a reminder, TP t-shirts are still available on T Public, as well as some other swag items, mugs and notebooks and that sort of thing. Those shirts look better on the floor than they do on you. Uh, not a great selling point, I guess. <laughs> but if you do purchase one, um, please be sure to tweet us a photo so that we can see them in the wild. It's always cool to see uh, what the gear actually looks like. Yeah, free retweets. <laughs> And then also a reminder that the Akatacon Kickstarter is live currently. Uh, it's got another couple weeks on it. Um, it's the best way to buy badges. They're a little bit cheaper. Um, for that convention that is in Dayton, Ohio, November 10th through 12th, hosted by the RPG Academy podcast, um, at which I will be attending as a special guest, uh, which basically means my picture is in the Kickstarter and I get to pay my own way. Uh, next year, can you be an extra special guest? No, that that's probably going to cost money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if, if our listeners buy a bunch of t-shirts, then we can fund you being an extra special guest. <laughs> Great. It sounds totally worth it. Definitely worth it. <laughs> okay. Also, also, we have another Unearthed Arcana to talk about. This one is uh, aptly named Three Subclasses. Yeah, it's a bit of a grab bag. Although we get some archetypes that we've seen before in past editions that we don't have yet in 5th edition. So there's the Drunken Fist Monk, the Order of Redemption Paladin, and the Monster Slayer Ranger. Well, you got all those names wrong. <laughs> Except Ranger. It's good enough. Close enough. <laughs> Way of the Drunken Master and Oath of Redemption. All right, what do we got here? Drunken Master. I noticed no drinking is required. Uh, I don't understand. Well, okay, that probably removes some of the unneeded in-game baggage. Like, the way it describes it is, you have watched drunkards and learned to emulate their chaotic style. (laughs) Great. (laughs) And, you know, like in 3.5, there was this whole thing about, like, oh, you have to, like, quickly imbibe one pint of spirits, you know? And I can understand how some people don't want to actually act that out in-game and don't actually want to be an alcoholic. Uh, However, I mean, it was kind of the fun part of the class and honestly then you could like breathe fire and it made sense but (laughs) okay whatever (laughs) anyway this is kind of a poor execution Uh, at third level you get drunken technique which gives you proficiency and performance and your flurry of blows now triggers a disengage and you can move 10 more feet which is lackluster compared to other third level abilities for monks at six you get tipsy sway you can redirect uh, an attack that misses you which is great but it only works if you've got two enemies adjacent because the one attacking you has to be adjacent and the one that you're redirecting it to has to be adjacent and you can't redirect it towards someone who's actually making the attack. 
So it's really not going to come up that often. And then at 11th level, you have Drunkard's Luck, uh, which lets you spend a key point to gain advantage on a saving throw. Uh, but you got to do it before you make the saving throw. Yeah, it, whatever. So yeah, it often just you will use the key point for nothing. Like compare this to Monk of the Long Death. What do they get at level 11? Don't die. Mm-hmm. Ever, never die. <laughs> yeah. And then at 17, you get one additional attack with your Flurry of Blows, but none of those attacks can hit the same creature. That's utter garbage. Oh, yeah, wow. So... Right, you're reading this for the first time and going, oh, God. So you can hit one target three times, and then you got to have two other targets to benefit from this ability. I believe you can do your extra attack. Those can hit the same. Right. And then one flurry. Yes. So three hits on one guy, two hits on two different Which other targets. completely defeats the point of flurry of blows. Yeah, that is... That's not good. No, it's really not. Now, the Oath of Redemption, did I get that right? Order of Redemption? Oath of Redemption. Oath of Redemption, yeah. The Oath of Redemption, this is the nurture over nature paladin. Look, it's not your fault that you're acting evil right now, but you're probably not evil inside. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I mean, it goes so far as to say, hey, maybe even fiends can be redeemed. Uh, In practice, though, it's pretty mixed bag. There's some cool stuff, but I don't know. There are ridiculously amazing oath spells. Like, these are pretty much all of the spells I would pick if I was playing a paladin, like, that I wanted that I couldn't get elsewhere. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shield, for one, and counterspell for another. (laughs) Yeah. Also, hold person and hold monster and wall of force. Like, let's just throw those in. Super strong. Yeah. At level three, you get a very strange ability that we haven't seen yet. Uh, You can set your AC to 16 plus your dexterity if you are not wearing uh, armor or using a shield. Which means you can't use a shield, but you're always heavily armored. This is... Okay, it makes it easier to be like a two-weapon fighting dexterity paladin, which is cool, but this is a super dangerous dip, right? It's available at level three, and 16 plus dex. Yeah, yeah, that monk paladin looks awful good. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I could absolutely see like any class with a high deck going I mean I get smites uh, and like a pretty sick AC yeah I can't use shields anyway fine and then then the best part here is uh, warrior of reconciliation you gain extra benefits when you're wielding simple weapons that deal bludgeoning damage like the monk weapons (laughs) (laughs) can still smite with it yeah (laughs) Also at level three, you get the ability to, instead of knocking someone out when you reduce them to zero hit points, you can charm them for one minute, which sounds cool. But in practice, like they can't attack or do anything. So it just it's really niche. It's like you have one minute to interrogate them, but you better make sure that like there's no one else that you're fighting. I guess they need to be the last person standing, I suppose. But I also I don't know why you don't just knock them out and then later normally interrogate them. Yeah, I mm. Yeah, of course, it's it's totally it's a, it's a ribbon a, ability. It's a flavor. Yeah. yeah. Also, at level three, you get more channel divinity options. You can throw plus five on a persuasion check. That's neat. Or you can deal damage to an enemy equal to the damage it just dealt. And now, this doesn't need to be against you, but it does need to be to an enemy within 10 feet of you. It sounds a whole lot more powerful than it is in practice because you got to remember that most enemies in the monster manual get their high damage output through multiple attacks. So only one of those is going to trigger this. 
And unfortunately, the ones that are doing big melee attacks are also usually the ones with high HP. Yeah. Wah, wah. But probably not high wisdom saves, so... <laughs> At level 7, you can take damage for an ally. That's fine. I think it's interesting that there isn't any restriction on being able to use damage reduction, which the uh, Oath of the Crown Paladin, which has a similar ability, does have. Yeah, that's just a weird wording. Mm -hmm. uh, oversight, I think. At level 15, you get some in-combat regeneration. That's fine. Uh, but at level 20, you get, you know, your, hey, you turn into like an avenging angel spirit thing that all paladins get. Uh, I think this is on par with the other paladin abilities because it's bad. Uh, re <laughs> resistance to all damage uh, from other people. That sounds great. And you deal... All other creatures, not just people. Right, yeah. <laughs> and when you take damage, they take half of that damage back. But you can't fight back. So, I mean, I guess this is okay for, like, a pacifist paladin who's, like, standing there and taking some damage and dishing out a little bit and then buffing their allies. Yeah, you but, become a heal bot, right? But you have the smites. I know, I know. I, yeah, it's cool that you get, a thorn, like, a super powerful thorns ability. I just... You've got to use compel duel, right? <laughs> like, you've got to force them to attack you is the uh -huh. thing, right? So so it becomes a game of of making that work, and it's... You know the easiest way to do that is with goading strike, but that requires an attack. Mm -hmm. So it's it's weird ability to try and actually force to the table. Yeah, uh, the other way to force them to attack you is to be dangerous. That's usually the method. Yeah, um, but you're not. So drop a huge smite and then trick them. <laughs> it's neat flavor, is what it is. It's it's the vow of peace feat from mm -hmm. Book of Exalted Deeds. It's bad. Yeah, it's yeah, bad. it is. Okay, so let's move on to the Monster Slayer, the Ranger archetype. It's specifically called out as a reworking of the Monster Hunter Fighter, which we've seen before, which we liked. Mm -hmm. We did. Uh, except for one thing. Which was? That it was a fighter and not a ranger. Uh-huh. So, unfortunately, I feel like we like this a little less as a ranger. Yeah. Uh, it, the extra spells that you get seem really suited for, like, an exorcist. You know, zone of truth and banishment and protection from good and evil. Yeah, which, which is weird because the flavor of this specifically calls out vampires, sure. Dragons, no. Evil fey, eh. Fiends, okay. And then other powerful magical threats. So the idea of, like, that banishment and that, that sort of thing is, is very undead or fiend focused not the other monster archetypes. yeah how does it help you fight a hydra or a kraken yeah totally doesn't or a you know red dragon <laughs> yeah at level three you get uh slayer's eye which is your bread and butter ability for this because every other ability that you get is dependent on it it's an at will bonus action that lets you learn the weaknesses of any opponent that you can see one opponent which is really cool. Like, you know if it is resistant to something or immune to something or, like, if that can be overcome with something. You look at a troll and you know, uh, okay, it regenerates a lot, uh, but if it takes acid or fire damage, like, it doesn't. Right. But that's not the real shining piece of this ability. It's that you deal an extra D6 weapon damage when you hit it. Right. Once per turn? First turn, time each turn. turn. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so at level 7, uh, you gain Supernatural Defense, which gives you a D6 bonus to any saving throw forced by the target of your Slayer's Eye. That's good, but often 
the best tactic is to take out that toughest opponent last, which is the one that's probably going to make you make those saving throws. Right. So if you're going to use it on the minions, use your Slayer's Eye on the minion, great, I take them out first, and now, like, the big wizard has screwed me. So I have to use it on the wizard at the beginning, and I'm not getting my damage bonus. Right. But you do still have the option of Hunter's Mark to continue supplementing your damage against a different target, so... It's a lot of bonus action moving things around. It is, yeah. It's multiple rounds to get things situated where you need them. Yeah. At level 11, when your Slayer's Eye target tries to uh, escape or change shape, like when it tries to do gaseous form or teleport or something like that, you can use a reaction to make a contested wisdom check to prevent that from happening. I think flavorfully, this is really, really cool. Yeah, as 11th level ability... Yeah, and also, uh, usually you're going to use this against like high level opponents. I have a feeling they're probably going to beat your wisdom check. Like it's a secondary skill for you, uh, secondary stat for you. Well, part of it too is, I mean, let's be honest here. This is effectively an ability dependent on DM fiat, because if the DM needs the character to escape, they're going to win the wisdom check. Right. Right. Like just straight up, it's going to happen. So it's just. Yeah, it's a little difficult to really imagine this ability coming into use in a satisfying way. Because best case scenario, you like you short circuit the plot with the big bad. He doesn't get away, you know. And it's like, all right, that was anticlimactic. Yeah. Also, most of these abilities are at will, you know. So like they'll just try it again right. next time. Yeah. Also, it's a reaction for you, right? So <laughs> you've used up your reaction. Unfortunately, at level 15, you can use a reaction to make an attack before making a saving throw uh, caused by the target of your Slayer's Eye. And if you hit them, that's a success on the saving throw. That's pretty cool. That's super cool. Um, I imagine them being like, well, I'll do minor action, oh, sorry, bonus action teleport. Okay, as the monster slayer, I use my reaction and prevent you from doing that. Oh my god, I'm so awesome. Great, I'm still standing in front of you. I hit you. Yeah. <laughs> Save versus death. Uh, yeah, the finger of death is going to feel real dumb. Yeah, when your corpse every day is being made to say things like, that was dumb. <laughs> hey, boss. I'm a relentless slayer. <laughs> Hey guys, do you want to see my Slayer's Eye? (laughs) Alright, so Shane, where are we now in the Dynasty Unwarranted campaign? Not a whole lot further than you were last time. No. No, (laughs) we're not. The Dynasty Unwarranted campaign is our Rogue Trader game, a uh, Warhammer 40k setting that we played using the Dark Heresy 2nd Edition rules from Fantasy Flight Games. And the Rogue Trader crew of the His Enduring Light uh, have been ambushed and captured by Dark Eldar while answering the distress call of an Imperial Navy frigate. After your surrender, you were tortured for about a week and then woke up in a makeshift cell, basically naked with a collection of other prisoners, a veritable rogues gallery, to accompany your Rogue Traders basically naked that's a nice way of saying completely naked uh well except for your collars <laughs> oh right you know they're very fashionable um why are they made of metal uh because they're also backed with explosives <laughs> okay yeah so your hands are free uh your necks are not 
um, and and you quickly are uh, are told by the other prisoners that yeah they'll just trigger them with a with like a, a radio signal and it'll just blow your head up. All right, so we are somewhat competent rogue traders. I mean, well, sometimes competent against rogue all traders. Evidence, yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're, I mean, we have backstories that say we're pretty competent, uh, aspiring competent rogue traders. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, and we're not liable to lose our heads in situations like this i mean you know i guess we'll see if they explode yeah so of course we immediately turn to assessing the situation and seeing what we have to work with because we don't intend to be tortured to death by the dark eldar because that sucks yeah yeah best case scenario here is uh is you die Uh, worst case scenario here is you actually make it back to the dark eldar home city of kimura and are kept alive to be tortured longer yeah (laughs) Like, forever. Yeah. That sucks. All right, so we have the explosive colors. Uh, a few other problems, though. Yeah, so each day, uh, some of the group are taken out of the cell uh, for torture, and then some of the group are taken out of the cell for work detail. We're not really sure which one's worse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and basically, the Dark Eldar are keeping prisoners, right, and using those human prisoners to operate the ship and sort of maintain the ruse of being a distressed Navy frigate um, as a staging point for slave raids. And and you know this because some of your companions in the cell came from a nearby planet of Gontelgrim. However, on the bright side, this does mean that the Dark Eldar need at least some of us alive. And so if we can make ourselves useful, we will well, not be murdered immediately, but it also means that we have opportunities to leave the cell to do things. Right. What yet? We're not quite sure. Right. So in the cell, with us, there's Shushar, the priest. He's an old man. Uh, he's a very devout follower of the Ember of Mankind. Uh, as are we all, obviously. <laughs> of course. Uh, but he seems pretty knowledgeable. He, he's obviously very devout. He seems to have struck up a rapport with uh, the Dark Eldar, who's also uh, a prisoner in here with us. But he's not going to be much help in a fight. Right. The orcs, however, are totally ready to fight. Uh, but we kind of need to prove ourselves to to them. So they say, you know, if you're strong enough to free us... And get us weapons. Yeah. Then, sure, they'll fight. They'll, they'll kill some Dark Eldar. Right. <laughs> Yeah, uh, particularly Rant, the free Buddha. He's uh, he, he's raring to go. Yeah, and our bookworms have determined that uh, the orcs have a psychic field, basically, that makes things that they think are real be real right. to an extent. Uh, yeah, it's it's how orc technology works. Right, it's- so we really need, just need to get them any kind of weapon, and it'll hopefully become an orc weapon when no one's looking. Right, it... it, it Anything they put in their hands will become as deadly as their standard weapon, basically. Suddenly, it's a chopper. Yeah. (laughs) Then you also have the Navy Lieutenant, Bupito, who seems more than capable, though uh, similarly, you know, needs some tools to work with here. Right. Um, She seems pretty level-headed, knows what she's doing, and, like, puts her head together with us to help figure out a way out of here. Right. She's also the one who kind of, you know, uh, gets everybody huddled up to, to start looking at things and begins pointing out problems with the plan. 
Uh, she's kind of the voice of the GM in this planning process. Really? <laughs> no, I thought that was the orcs. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you did get to get to hear my cockney. <laughs> uh, strangely, the short stool that Ront is sitting on seems to have ha, telepathic powers. Yeah, which is the benefit of uh, Flair getting the wind knocked out of him, attempting to uh, swindle Ront out of his seat. For the first time that you know of, anyway, the stool tries to contact you. Mm-hmm. And so Flair, um, being the first one it contacted, dubs it Lil Magnus, yeah. named after himself, mm-hmm. Ventium Magnus the Third. Of course he does. <laughs> yeah, its name is Stool. Flair and Stool. Right. Okay, it now allows us to talk to each other telepathically. Helpful, but not really sure how that go- helps us get out of the cell. Well, it does have a couple other abilities. If you recall, it also acts as a stummer, which will help, uh, basically helps uh, modulate sound so that it can dampen your footsteps and yeah. give you some stealth All we quality. need to do is walk around outside carrying a big carbon fiber stool. True. Um, I think probably more important to you guys is it is trying to learn how to modulate the radio frequency that triggers your explosive collars. Now that's helpful. Because... That lets you fight in at least a certain radius without losing your heads. Yeah, uh, we have yet to figure out exactly what that radius is. Right. That's kind of important. And also haven't quite tested that it'll work. Yeah, yeah. There's also the aforementioned Dark Eldar, Sarith, uh, who through Shushar, we eventually get him to start talking about a situation... Yeah, it it's weird. You basically like Shushar has a philosophical argument with him that he basically is resigned that um his soul is condemned to Slanesh. And between you and Shushar, you're able to kind of convince him that you know, maybe there is a greater hope even for a dark Eldar. Yeah, uh spoiler, Trank doesn't actually think that. <laughs> I don't think you were involved in the conversation. <laughs> I listened to it once, bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> but keep, yep, keep telling him that. Hope. Hope is good. Anyway, you discover that uh, a little something about the interpersonal politics of this band of Dark Eldar. Ah, uh, we find a crack. And Serif is probably our wedge. Yeah, so you learn Serif is accused of murder. Uh, he doesn't understand. Like, he doesn't have any recollection of this or of what happened but because of it he feels he's been framed uh and he blames one man for that another uh incubus named sure who has there's a love triangle sort of in progress between two of the incubi and the witch who leads the group and uh her her first lieutenant kind of recently got replaced by sure in the process and uh you know, there's one thing that you can't accuse Dark Eldar of, and that's forgiveness. <laughs> <laughs> so Sarath, uh, he wants some revenge on Shore for framing him and for upsetting the hierarchy. I think we may have found our first weapon. So we begin formulating a plan that will maybe come together next week. So this week we are talking about a little bit of a difficult subject, uh, one that's less role-playing related and more interpersonal 
booting a player? What do you do when it's time to move on from a certain player in your group? Yeah, we couldn't address this topic until we really had like a full catalog of episodes dealing with how to manage other problems at the table. Because absolutely, this is a measure of last resort. Now, you should only really be talking about kicking a player out of the group when all your other options for dealing with a problem have been exhausted. Yeah, I mean, we have our uh, player profile series, right? We've also addressed a number of different um, issues that come up at the table. But how do you know then when it's time? Like, how do you know it's bad enough that you should just get rid of that player? Yeah, it's it's tough to know, right? It's not like there's a specific list of grievances and like you should like check one off, like the DSM-5, right? Oh, you have five of these nine. That means it's time to get rid of them. <laughs> because you know every group is different and has different things that they're okay with and and different things that they absolutely don't want at their table and of course things that are small issues that probably don't really matter can grow over time and if someone is refusing to change even those small little things that can signify that there's an unwillingness to cooperate which is just super detrimental to a cooperative pastime like rpgs in general but there are some signs that maybe someone needs to leave. So let's let's talk about some concrete examples. And again, l- like you said, fairly, it's not a list, right? It's it's just some things to think about. Yeah. So a big one is: are players often leaving the game in a worse mood than when they arrive? That's completely counterproductive. Like the whole point here is to have fun, right? right. We should be excited at the end of a session, not bummed out. Mm-hmm. Are complaints about the game or the session, do they tend to center around the actions of like one particular person or particular people? If so, well, I mean, consensus sort of indicates that maybe they're the one with the issue. I know sometimes with problem people, you sort of have people accusing others right across the table, like it's your fault, no, it's your fault. But it's usually pretty easy for a group to come to a consensus about like, who the real problem is. Yeah, this is kind of a pattern recognition thing, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and speaking of pattern recognition, is the game just more fun when a certain player isn't there? You know, if, if you've got, you know, maybe they're on a business trip or they had homework or whatever, you know, couldn't make a session. Is that the first session that's gone really well in a while? Yeah, pay attention to like your initial reactions to things. Like, you know, every week we send out an email saying, okay, who's in for this week? You know, when you get the response from a particular player that says, ah, I can't make it this week. Did your heart leap just a little bit? Did you get a little <laughs> bit excited? Okay. So obviously we don't want to just drop this stuff out of the blue, right? If we're having issues at the table, we want to talk about them and try and solve them. But are those attempts to resolve issues above the table going unheeded? Yeah, you're having those same conversations again and again about the same problem over and over. Like, are your interventions beginning with, look, we've talked about this before. Right, right. And then lastly, if you're thinking about booting a player, that already says a lot. Because it's really tough to recruit a new person for an RPG. It's tough to integrate them into a group at a table. It's tough to get them like into the story of a game. It's a lot of work. So if you're thinking about doing it, that probably means that it's worth investigating whether it's something you really want to do. (laughs) It's like the old definition of pornography. You know it when you see it? Yeah. 
Yeah, like, is this person a problem player? Well, why are you asking yourself that question in the first place? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Am I happy? <laughs> uh, that said, I think there are a couple situations where we would agree you should just immediately move on from a player, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. If one person is ever making another person feel unsafe, and then, you know, it doesn't quickly become apparent that, like, there was some obvious misunderstanding and, like, everyone's like, oh, okay, I get it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, right? like, if you can't resolve it with an apology and it won't happen again, probably time to move on. Yeah, this person isn't isn't going to learn. And no one should feel unsafe at the table or right. in the group. Right. And then maybe, like, a little less severe, if there is unwelcome attention that doesn't stop after a single warning, right? Like, it's fine if, like, people become close to the table and like maybe someone asks someone else out yeah i mean that's basically why nerds play role-playing games in college right yeah (laughs) (laughs) but if someone says no that's it yeah you you can't deal with like the kind of stalkerish i have to see you in this gaming group every week and my character is going to sexually harass your character oh god yeah that's the worst when it comes out in game also right right? you can't even escape it with escapist fantasy or 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 like even worse like the puppy dog doting character like Uh, my character will always be servile to you because i really want to take you to a movie yeah all right reasonable people shouldn't be surprised uh, that they're being kicked out of the group you know they should have had at this point multiple warnings and interventions Of, of course sometimes those problem players aren't reasonable people yeah well actually before we get to the unreasonable people just remember like a lot of times especially in groups that exist outside of gaming right like if it's a social social group already that decides to play a game if a player isn't really enjoying it very much they that might manifest in their behavior at the table so talking to them about it and saying hey are you sure you want to keep playing in this group right like you seem like you're not really enjoying it might be a relief you know there's definitely been groups where i was in where i was just like when it when the group disbanded i wasn't terribly broken up over it mm-hmm. you know um i guess i've never really been explicitly kicked out <laughs> but i guess if everybody gets kicked out that's the same thing everyone right? just stop sending you those who's coming emails oh <laughs> is that how i got kicked out <laughs> sorry i'll gm next <laughs> but yeah problem players are also likely to uh not take these types of things well right uh but remember that the other players in the group also should not be surprised that this is happening because if someone is, then that means you haven't done enough to fix the situation at the table, right? Like that might be the person who knows how to fix this or knows what's going on with this person. Yeah. And then when you are deciding the verdict comes down, are we getting rid of this person or are we not? I think you need to decide at your table, is this a situation where you vote on it and majority wins or does everyone have a veto about who we play with? Like if one person says, I really can't play with this person, like they need to go. Is that enough for the group? Like, does it need to be consensus? Yeah. And that varies from group to group. So, I mean, that's, I I think a thing you kind of need to decide for your own group about lots of different issues. You know, what game do we play next? I I feel like for most groups, that's going to be figured out when it is required. Mm. Right. And so it's just going to be a challenge. It's going to be a challenging conversation regardless, right? Whether you're having a conversation with somebody um, who is a problem or you're having a conversation about somebody who's a problem, you're always isolating somebody. 
It's not a problem for me, Shane. I've turned off my emotions. That's why I'm a good GM. It's always good to have a Borg in the group so they can suspend their emotions. I actually am really proud of you for trying so hard to come up with a Star Trek reference. (laughs) (laughs) I saw you struggling. Uh, Yeah, Borg. Borg, that's it. But are you extra proud of me for deliberately picking the wrong one? (laughs) It's... It's fine. It's close enough. No emotions. Except for the queen. We'll get into that. No, we, we won't. We won't. I was actually trying to find you, any race from like Stargate or something, but I realized I don't watch those shows. <laughs> you went straight to Star Trek because that's where your heart lies. Uh, it's a Cylon problem. <laughs> those are the best Star Treks. All right. So once you've decided that you want to get rid of Shane, how do you do that? Well, ideally, I would like somebody to take me aside either with an email or like maybe face to face but a phone call a text message something and explain what's going on yeah before they actually kick you out right yeah yeah, yeah. And, and like you know give me a heads up like hey we're not happy with this thing that you do maybe stop doing that right it's quite possible this person has no idea that they're doing that yeah. like all the terrible things that Jane does that he doesn't know about well that's because I have low emotional intelligence and even less interest in your opinion Fair. However, he cares about your opinion. So at TPDCast, what does Shane do that bothers you? No, that's at, uh, at Evil Sans Carnate. What does Shane do that bothers you? <laughs> I could start my own group. <laughs> With tall card and companions. <laughs> but if you've, if you've had that conversation, you know, maybe even multiple times and nothing is changing, I think that's when it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. So who has to deliver the bad news? Uh, not it. Yeah, nose goes. Right. <laughs> uh, probably the person who knows them best right. is, is the the best way to handle it. Otherwise, I think probably the GM or whoever organized the group is probably the right person. The, the group leader, if you will. Yeah, it's kind of like reverse recruitment, right? Like who brought them in? Yeah. You know, and I would say maximum one, maybe two people deliver the news. You definitely, you definitely don't want everyone doing it. Yeah, think of like the Not A Surf song popular and how you want to handle a breakup. (laughs) Even if you've been gaming together for only a short time and haven't been too serious, there's still a feeling of rejection when someone tells you she prefers gaming with others over your exclusive gaming company. You know, actually just email them that song. (laughs) Send them a link to the the YouTube video, uh, but just start the playback right there. Right in the the long speaking verse. Uh Uh-huh great so speaking of dating right the the way that you do it uh, actually i think you can learn a lot from breakups right it kind of depends on how long the relationship has lasted you know i don't want to nerd trope this too hard but like (laughs) probably drawing from a shallow pool on that end not much help huh yeah (laughs) i mean i know that our listeners are very well accomplished uh philanderers speed daters (laughs) speed daters yeah that's it that's like a game right yeah uh but i i mean oftentimes this is a challenge for people specifically because they don't have these other experiences to draw on right okay so we'll break it down if you have been gaming with someone for a couple of weeks you can tell them that they're getting kicked out of the group via text that's okay you can also just change the night and not tell them (laughs) Because, uh, okay, like when you're recruiting, we have suggested before, use a trial period where the group or the new player can say pretty much for any reason, hey, like we're not really into this. Like, let's not do this anymore. Like no harm, no foul. 
Yeah, and, and when we were um, when we were looking for new players for our group, and when I joined the group as well, like we we had that conversation, right? It was mm-hmm. like come play a couple times, see how we gel, and and we'll decide from there. Yeah, if we suck, that's cool. Just don't come back. If you're awful, you know, we'll tell you in no uncertain terms. Yeah, because we're terrible people. It's it's like dating, except you have to have a DTR super fast. <laughs> Okay, but if you've been gaming with someone for months, you kind of need to do it in person. And if it's been years, uh, you have to buy them a f- drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah I agree. <laughs> it's definitely a bad time to ghost. You don't, you don't want to pull right. a new phone. Who does? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out this anecdote because I'm I'm awful. I had a group one time. Uh, we moved locations uh, from playing in the basement of the comic book shop to playing in the front the front stoop. Oh no way, dude no way too many cool kids there we moved to a, a guy's house oh okay uh and there was one guy in the group who just i don't know, didn't quite gel enough he was he was like not cool enough which i know sounds weird to say like it wasn't cool enough okay <laughs> okay and he kept coming up with weird characters like that made us a little bit uncomfortable and we were not mature enough to be like hey dude your characters kind of make us uncomfortable right so we just told him like the the night we were gaming on wasn't working for everyone and so like we'll pick another night at some point and we'll let him know and then we just never contacted him again oh that's awful we didn't even change the night we just kept showing up yeah that's awful yeah very bad don't do that i would like if you're gonna tell the little white lie just say that the group is breaking up it's not you it's all it's of all us. of us <laughs> And then, you know, reform the next week at a different location. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come up with an excuse as to why you're in the basement of the comic book shop again. Right. Oh, uh, hey, didn't think we'd see you here (laughs) again. Awkward. (laughs) Oh, this, this is, we're not, we're not gaming. It's, it's not what it looks like. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we didn't know you played D&D 5th edition. (laughs) We thought you were strictly (laughs) 4th. 4th core, man. Yeah. It was the tattoo. We just figured. Oh, man. Okay, so now, back on a serious note, uh, don't get rid of the person at the table, like with everyone there, because they're really going to feel ganged up on. It, it, they're going to feel like it's like some sort of like drinking intervention. <laughs> we think you have a problem, man. Yeah, All of us feel like you have a problem. Also, we don't want you in our lives anymore. We're not here because we love you. We're here because we hate you. Please go. <laughs> We're not trying to heal this. Get out. Yeah, and, and in the same way, don't do it at someone's house mm-hmm. um, or, you know, in the location where you normally have your games. Do it somewhere else, preferably in public, if there's a bad reaction. Yeah, again, right, this is a breakup. Do it in public. So, like, if they get pissed at you and try to sort of throw something, there are witnesses. Witnesses, yeah. <laughs> and it de- really depends on the person, but you might not want to say why you want to meet up in the first place. Like, there's a certain kind of problem player that will go, uh-oh, they're going to get rid of me, and then just will never agree to meet up. We'll totally avoid that confrontation, but keep showing up to the game. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, other more reasonable people will appreciate that you've been up front and will kind of feel tricked if you're like, hey, let's, like, grab a bite to eat, and then you, like, lay it on the table with, hey, we never want to see you again. <laughs> so you're like hey let's go on a date welcome to the friend zone (laughs) except we don't want to be friends right (laughs) so you're in that moment right it's Mm -hmm. you're talking to that person Mm -hmm. Uh, how do we actually deliver it um you lie right you lie 
Oh, yeah, we should be more honest. Oh, okay, all right, all right. So get to the point, like rip that bandaid off, just be succinct and right up at the front. You know, the group has decided to continue the game without you. Yeah, and make sure it's clear that the group is deciding this. It's not one person and that everyone is on board and it's a united front. Yeah, it's not me. It's not just the GM and it's not Harold, that guy that like you didn't get along with. Right. Yeah, and and give a clear reason, but make it obvious that it's not for debate, right? Like this this isn't a conversation. It's kind of a lecture. <laughs> um, you know, it's it, it's fine to say, "Hey, you know, you keep making these characters that make people uncomfortable when we've talked about it and we've talked about it, but your characters are always doing the same things." Or um, you know, we've asked you to try and like stay with the group more, but you keep trying to go off in different directions and and week after week we talk about it and it doesn't change so we're just we're moving on yeah and this is why it's so important to have those conversations i actually have those conversations ahead of time so you have a leg to stand on when you're like well i mean we've talked about this a lot and you haven't changed another thing to talk about is difference in style right like it it's possible that it's not a you're not good enough or you do things that we don't like thing it's that we have different preferences right so look, I get it, you like dungeon crawling and fighting, and we're trying to play more story games, right? And and so it just seems like you're not enjoying it as much, and we think we should probably find a player who would be uh, more on our wavelength. Nothing against you, like, you know, we're going to do a dungeon crawl one-shot in a few weeks, and we definitely want you to come play with us, but not for our weekly game. Yeah, and, and you know, I bet you'll be more happy with like a more combat-focused group in general. And you know, this is the time when you want to throw in any genuine compliments that you've actually got yeah yeah and of course like if that person isn't a crazy person you can do what Shane said which is like invite them occasionally for a one shot or you can even help them find another group like it's very possible that you know a bunch of people that you don't game with because they just want to do hack and slash yeah hey let me hook you up with them you will all get along great I think and I'll write you a recommendation right oh my god I wish every time we were recruiting someone we knew gave us a recommendation oh that'd be amazing (laughs) I need three GM references and two player references please (laughs) hey guys I'm applying to be in this other RPG group (laughs) oh my god that would be amazing can we start LinkedIn for gamers oh my god that'd be that would be great I want to do this (laughs) a Yelp for gamers (laughs) (laughs) you got a lot of one stars man it's not my fault they don't like my politics oh no it's like that episode of uh community when they start the social media thing that's just rating other people as people <laughs> like and so like the five and four stars elevate to the top of like the, the student society and like the one stars are toiling away as like the underclass see that's why i say eclipse phase is reality <laughs> it's only a short way off oh man Uh, Also, make sure you're genuinely listening to the person's feedback, if they have any. Like, if they protest reasonably, you can offer to take those responses back to the group. But don't make any promises about, like, oh, that they might change their minds. Like, you're out as of right now. You're not in the group. But, you know, we're friends. We've been playing for a while. If, If you, like, think that's not what was happening or whatever, I mean, I'll tell them because, like, we're not bad people. Right. 
Um, and if you actually are friends, and I know this is almost always the most difficult situation, mm-hmm. but if if you're friends outside of gaming, like make clear that you're still friends, <laughs> right? Like like make plans to go see a movie or like to hang out or do something soon, right? So it's clear it's it's not the end of our friendship, right? Hang out when you're not gaming. Don't let them hang out when you're gaming, right? Oh, and um, then like pay. You should pay. Yeah. I mean, maybe don't take them to like a steak dinner, but you know, like, right. But like have you, a cup of coffee or, or drink. like a beer or something like yeah. get their beer, that, you know, that's the sporting thing to do. Right. <laughs> okay. There are, however, quite a few ways this could go uh, wrong or off the rails. Ishan, I am super angry with you. I cannot believe that you're doing this to me right now. See, Shane, this is why you're not allowed in our group anymore. Cause you suck and you're so angry. Uh, let's just shout at each other in public. Yeah. Okay, maybe don't do that. All right, so what should you do? Well, remain calm, right? This is why you picked a public space in the first place. (laughs) Oh, right. (laughs) Right, because if there are people watching you, okay, they see one person get angry. Uh, Don't make it that then they see the other person also get angry. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because that's way harder to explain to the cops. (laughs) Yeah, remain calm, don't argue, and just leave. Yeah, I like arching the eyebrow uh, to make it obvious that they are proving my point for me. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely, like, leave. You, you don't you don't play RPGs so you can get yelled at by some douche. Yeah, <laughs> some guy you've already decided is out of the group. Right. Uh, Shane, you have experience with this. What if you make them cry? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you went in a different direction with that one than I thought you were. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, don't apologize, right? Like, the decision is not wrong, right? You did what's best for you, so don't apologize for the decision. It's okay to, um, you know, sympathize, right? I- I'm sorry that it didn't work out, right? I'm sorry that we want different things. Um, but don't apologize that you're not going to be gaming in the future. Yeah, don't use those hedge apologies that people love to use that aren't genuine. Like, I'm sorry we can't play together anymore. No, you're not. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I won't miss you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy about this, actually. Um, it's it's always good to like leave them feeling better about themselves. So if you can say nice things about them and and playing with them, like that's that's fine. Yeah, there's a, plenty of aquatic campaigns in the sea. <laughs> so many eventy in the sea. <laughs> You're just a Darfelon in a Hadozi world. <laughs> You don't understand what I'm talking about. See, you never read the lore. It's, yeah. I mean, I mean, I sent you a copy of <laughs> Stormrack. Just read it. It's a searchable PDF, man. Um, and then be patient, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, obviously crying is an emotional reaction, and people are invested in their characters and, and in their gaming, right? So it's important to have a little bit of emotional intelligence and um, – be a human being for a little bit. Yeah, as much as it sucks to like have to kick a player out, it probably sucks more to get kicked out. Yeah. Okay. What if, however, they're violent? Uh, I mean, leave and call for help. Yeah, that's it. Call the cops. The the exact same way you would handle any other random act of violence. Right. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> RPGs are not special scenarios. Yeah. This one, your personal safety is way more important than anybody's feelings or any gaming group. So, get out. 
All right, what if they pull a John Cusack? Like, they know where you game. They know when you game. What if they just show up? In your eyes. Well, I mean, if they show up with a boombox and they play that, I think you need to reconsider. I agree. If they show up with Peter Gabriel, (laughs) maybe put them back on the the tryout list. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like they're willing to meet you at least halfway. (laughs) Because that's what we've been requesting the whole time, man. Play some more Peter Gabriel. You know what my favorite part of that movie is? Is that he wanted to be like an MMA fighter in the 80s. (laughs) Like, it was such a random career choice then, and now it's, like, even more perfect. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now it's an actual job. Oh, my God. It's like War Games, where he wanted to accidentally cause nuclear wars by not knowing what he's doing. And now that's an actual job. Well, yes. Huh? Fair. Um, But back to gaming. Okay. Don't let them in. Like vampires. Yeah. Don't invite them in. Unless, you know, if they're already your friend, there could be an exception here or something like that. But I think the general rule should be don't let them just hang out and not participate. Right. You know, um, like I I know and I'm thinking especially like when I was in high school and we would have like sleepovers and we would play D&D, you know, everyone would spend the the weekend at somebody's house and we'd, we'd play a lot of D&D, right? Um, I, it would have been very tough to exclude somebody from that. And so... I guess we probably would have stopped playing. But in that case, I could understand if somebody didn't really enjoy it that, like, they would go play video games and we would play D&D, right? And then after a few hours, we would, like, meet back up and go back to playing Smash Brothers. But I think general rule, and especially if you're, like, adults. (laughs) (laughs) If you're adults, it's weirdly passive-aggressive to just sit there while everyone's playing D&D. Yeah. For sure. And even by college age, I feel like there's other ways to amuse yourself than watching people play D&D who aren't professionals, I guess. Yeah. You know? Um, But just, yeah, keep in mind, like, refusing to leave is trespassing and not normal. At at all. Normal people do not want to be where they're not wanted. Yeah. So we're not going to get too much into it, but, like, if someone is trespassing and being not normal, call the cops. Just do that. All right. But losing a player also has repercussions in-game. There's pretty easy ways to handle it uh, because it's more likely that this character has not had a big impact on the story. It's probably one of the reasons you want to get rid of the player. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So, like, they could just stop showing up, right? They just are no longer there and nobody cares and nobody asks why. I I love the idea that a character just ghosts on their adventuring party. (laughs) It's like, oh. Here today, gone tomorrow. All right. Read any play-by-post, um, like, game online, and characters just, like, disappear. Yeah. No one says anything. Right. Yeah. They could wander off. Uh, our Morning Glory druid, right before you showed up, the guy you replaced, like, the druid just wandered off into, into Zendric. The guy I bested in 1v1 RPG combat. Yeah, that was probably it. That's exactly how we recruit. Right. Mm-hmm. I won the tournament. That guy had to bounce. <laughs> I didn't know you were so good at pugil sticks. Right. <laughs> it was very American gladiators. Yeah. Okay, they could get killed. Uh, which is how we handle all of our one-off sessions yes. when your friends are in town. Because <laughs> we get their gear. <laughs> uh, if their character is important, they could also become an NPC, mm-hmm. um, which is which is a great way to bring their character back in line with the group. Um, and especially if you can find like a support role where they might stay at base or something like that, um, where you you can still have them involved in the story, but not dictating the direction of the group. Mm-hmm. It's possible that the player's actions 
did things that made the character despicable. Uh, if you're awful for real, you're awful in the game, right? Like the inverse of what was that movie? Uh, There's the tagline: "If you die in the game, you die for real." Somebody out there on Twitter tweet at me at Evil Sans Carnage. <laughs> oh God. No, uh, what movie am I thinking of? It's the "If you die in the game, you die for real." Mm. It's like where teenagers like pay professional mercenaries to like played them, right? But the the mercenaries were, would die if they actually died. Oh, was that like a recent movie that no one watched? Relatively recent, yeah. Oh, okay. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> you don't watch enough sports advertising. That's correct. <laughs> so that character could become an antagonist. Maybe even the BBEG. Yeah. And it's a bit of a little inside joke for everyone. I will say it may sound kind of crappy, but there's not there's no need to tell the problem player who is no longer allowed to come to this game that like you got rid of them but kept their character yeah. in your story. Yeah. Maybe just cut off contact there. Yeah. All right. So in summary, bad people are almost always bad players. That's what you're saying. <laughs> it's a good life skill to learn to recognize them in general. So don't let yourself be manipulated or guilted into suffering while you're supposed to be playing a fun game. You know, and watch out for gaslighting because that actually happens a lot. <laughs> our, our RPG group has Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> Great. Uh, the inverse is not true, though. So bad players are not necessarily bad people. Mm-hmm. So treat people respectfully, right? Exactly the same way that you would want to be treated if the roles were reversed uh, as you break up with them. Right. You still need to extricate yourself from the situation, but be nice about it. And hey, maybe they'll even learn a lesson. Do you hear that, Ishan? Uh, I don't hear anything, Shane. There's nothing to hear. Uh, I don't know why you're saying there's anything to hear, Shane. Maybe the problem is you. Oh, crap. Did we move the night that we do the character creation forge and you didn't tell me? No. Why would I do that? That would be a terrible thing to do, Shane. Well, fine. Prove it. Let's move on (laughs) to the Character Creation Forge. But before we do that, let's talk about how our listeners can get in contact with us. We do love hearing from you. You can tweet at Shane, at Mundangerous. That's M-U-N Dangerous. And you can tweet at Ishan, at Evil Sans Carne. That's Malice Minus Meat. And you can tweet at the show, at TPTCast. You can also email us if you can't fit into 140 characters at TotalPartyThrill at gmail.com. And you can find us on the web at www.totalpartythrillcast.com. We are also on Facebook and Instagram at Total Party Thrill. So this week in the Character Creation Forge, we are building the Grey Guard. This is one of my favorite archetypes from 3.5 because it was the paladin that was allowed to do evil stuff. Although mechanically, as a prestige class, it was garbage because pretty much the only thing it let you do was not fall. Let's do bad stuff. Right. Or like make morally dubious choices like lie (laughs) and maybe steal something uh, without losing all of your stupid paladin abilities. (laughs) Which already weren't strong enough to justify this class. Right. And like you were supposed to be like kind of a rogue as well, but you got like terrible number of skill points. Like you just weren't good at stuff, but the flavor was super cool. Okay, so how are we going to implement this in 5th edition? Well, we want a paladin who's willing to do whatever it takes to further their deity's goals. Uh, This draws people like former ruffians or rogues who use those old skills for the benefit of the church. So, hey, guess what? Paladin rogue. And the build is Vengeance Paladin 11, Swashbuckler 9. 
All right, I'm liking it. So Paladin is going to give us heavy armor and shields. And shields. Now, you probably won't use the heavy armor. You'll probably stick to half plate, medium, because this is a dex charisma build, and you need to use a finesse weapon. Okay. But that's kind of cool. Rapier, that works. King's Guard. Uh, you'll get Smite and Extra Attack, uh-huh. as well as Vengeance Paladin, so you'll be immune to disease and immune to frightened you'll get effects. The tasty saving throw bonus and sweet oath spells like Misty Step and Haste. And your channel Divinity Vow of Enmity can give you advantage when you really need it for a minute against uh, your oath target, which of course is going to help you trigger those sneak attacks. And I guess as a level 11 paladin, you'll have third level spells. Right. To okay. basically fuel those smites. Right. Now, rogue, I think I hadn't realized before how well some rogue abilities synergize with paladin abilities because, like, they just, some other things don't work that well together, like the armor thing. But, like, okay, you get four expertises. I would suggest stealth, uh, persuasion, intimidation, because, like, remember, you're the Grey Guard. You are the paladin who, in pursuit of justice, uh, is not afraid to like crack some teeth or like break fingers while in the zone of truth. No, I'm not. That's <laughs> not me. You got the wrong guy. Not a gray guard. I'm taking expertise in deception. <laughs> uh, Thieves tools is also a cool option because I love the idea of a paladin who's like, uh, yeah, I'm just going to pick this lock. Do it some second story work. <laughs> yeah. Athletics works too, right? Like climb to the second store, break in. Yep. Yeah. Uh, thieves can't to speak silently with other members of your order, not necessarily your thieves guild. Right. Uh, cunning action plus haste makes you super fast. Oh, yeah, definitely. And then uh, Swashbuckler lets you sneak attack when you don't have an ally within five feet. Which I think you will often be doing. Yeah. Working that, behind enemy lines. Yeah, you can kind of solo and still get your sneak attack damage in um, even after your initial surprise attack. How much sneak attack damage is that? Uh, 5d6. Plus, you can smite on top of that. Oh, that's uh, that's a fistful of dice. That's gonna be a nightmare if you crit. <laughs> like, yeah. And I love getting uncanny dodge on like a melee character because it makes you really tanky and helps make up for those d8 hit dice from the rogue. Although I will point out, you don't have to be melee. You can't smite if you're not melee, but you're still a really good ranged attacker because you've got all that dexterity. Yeah, you could actually be the rare paladin who uses his spell slots for spells. Weird. Um, and then you also have evasion, which gives you, uh, takes less damage from successful saves, which synergizes nicely with your paladin aura, which gives you a bonus to your saving throws. And at level 9, for Swashbuckler, you get panache, which lets you use that persuasion to, uh, convince people who aren't hostile that they should just help you out a bit yeah uh it makes sense uh, i think for like a smiley type you know deception focused uh, paladin who's willing to lie through their teeth Mm -hmm. you know to get the job done right now unfortunately you only get four asis with this build you could just you know pump them all into dexterity and charisma because you get a benefit out of increasing those absolutely but maybe you're human and you got to take a feat. You got to. I, I think it really depends on what kind of skills you're focusing on as a gray guard. But athlete, actor, alert are all really great. And medium armor master is high quality. This is the only time we've ever recommended an armor related feat. It totally is. Yeah. Right. Um, and I, also, I like that athlete and actor both give you a plus one to another ability score. Mm-hmm. 
So it gives you that partial increase. Yeah, and they're really nicely flavorful. So Shane, tell me about your Grey Guard. Um, my Grey Guard is not a devotee of a uh, a deity who would approve of this. Ooh. Uh, he is part of a splinter sect of the church of of the temple of this deity kind of a kind of like the cia if you will (laughs) you know it's like (laughs) section 31 yeah it's like a black ops type situation here Mm -hmm. you know and it's uh and and even then they're they're probably not even fully recognized you know there's probably like one priest who's probably a heretic who organizes their activities and they might not even know the other gray guard within them and they definitely don't call themselves gray guard right that's a derogatory term right um but that is their their nature right they they recognize that sometimes things must be done in order to further a deity's agenda which cannot reasonably be traced back to followers of that deity and they take that burden upon their own soul in order to uh complete those tasks i like it like uh the operative from serenity yeah, yeah. Actually. We take on a harrowed life so you can sleep soundly. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I dig that. How about you? Uh, my gray guard was a straight arrow paladin. So we're not optimizing, not starting rogue. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> like, lawful good all the way. Follow the tenets. Do what's right. Never lie. Never bend. And it resulted in her failing her mission, getting her charge killed, and in fact, dying herself. Oh, God. But... Her church raised her. Uh, but not her. Not her charge. charge. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow, that's that's a mind <laughs> f- <laughs> uh, And of course, it made her question, wait a minute, what? I I was supposed to keep this person safe. Right. You, you know? could have raised one of us and you raised this. You raised me. <laughs> that, uh, I was supposed to accomplish the mission and I didn't do that. Were, was me feeling all pure and high and mighty and I never tell a lie? Is that worth uh, the death of my charge? Uh, the guilt that I feel now, and the loss of the mission. No. In fact, there must be other ways to accomplish this goal. And so she begins studying like rogue techniques, and now she leads a team of Greyguard on infiltration missions. I love the idea that they're basically like in like disguises and, and cloaks. Like Some have actors so they can impersonate people, and some have athletes so they can scale the wall outside. And they infiltrate all at once, and then suddenly, like, their target looks up, they pull off these, like, cloaks, and it's half plate and, like, shining shield and, like, glowing swords. (laughs) And they're like, how did you, I didn't hear you or see you. Yeah, we know. This strikes me as very much like like an inquisitorial warband from from Warhammer Mm -hmm. from 40k. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they're very much gray guard. Yeah. Yeah. Like, how much heresy can you deal with in order to keep heresy at bay? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, non-puritanical. Right. <laughs> Not monodominant. <laughs> quite quite radical inquisitors, but yes. <laughs> All right. If you want to support the show, the easiest way to do that is to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And if you're willing to help us out, we will read your five-star review on the air. You can also find us on Stitcher. It's like a Pandora for podcasts. If you like or favorite us there, the algorithm will help other people find us. We're also on Google Play. So what do we have planned for next week's episode? We are talking about breadth versus depth in character advancement. And in the character creation forge? We are building the Sandman. Wait, is this another comic book character? It is, in fact, not. Is this a Metallica character? It is, in fact, maybe. All right. Then that's it for episode 90 of Total Party Thrill. 
I hope we've lived up to our name, but either way, I'm Shane. And I'm Ishan. Thanks for listening. I actually watched on YouTube uh, the other day an episode of Saved by the Bell. Just, you know, why not? Nostalgia. And just the screech... uh, Oh, Lisa. And Lisa dynamic <laughs> oh, was just God. like, oh, wow. Oh, stop. <laughs> Thoroughly cringeworthy. <laughs> yeah. Like, someone get get him help. Like, call a security officer. <laughs> the thing is, Lisa loved it, though. She loved the attention, right? I mean, she wanted him to continue doing that. She led him on. Wow. Wow. You know, she, she also went crazy. <laughs> well, uh, wait, are you talking about... Uh... <laughs> I'm talking about Lark. Oh, yeah. Lark. <laughs> wait, okay. Was it Lark... Voorhees? Yeah. Yeah. Canonically, what did they end up together? Yes. Really? They did, right? I have no idea. Actually, I, that's I what I'm asking you. I feel like, yes, they did. I mean, it seems like a lazy thing the writers would totally do. I, I don't know. Because Zach mean, and Kelly ended up together. Yeah, I got to be honest, man. Say by the Bell canon is a lot of assumption on my part. <laughs> so, because the college years mix things up because characters dropped. Oh, you know? yeah, it totally did. And what happened to eighth grade, man? Yeah. What happened to Nikki? No one knows. But anyway, I mean, we don't have to break down those dynamics. I just, I just think that there was definitely, it was a two-way street on that uh, sycophantic relationship. <laughs> Maybe both of them should be kicked out. Yeah, they should go play their own little role-playing game elsewhere. Yeah, the sprain. <laughs>